what to do with pick number two, a potential Eric Flowers trade, and more on this episode of Giants Time. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Giants Time, the all new Giants-centric show here on Facebook Live by 24-7 Sports. I'm your host, Kevin Boylard. Pretty soon, we'll be joined by our Giants expert, Dan Schneier. In the studio with me here, I've got Mike the producer and A.A. Ron. They're checking your comments, so make sure you're dropping the comments in, your questions in the comment section below. We'll be reading them throughout the broadcast, and I'll try to answer as many of your questions as possible by the end of today's show. We got a poll there at the bottom we need you to answer as well. It's what the Giants should do with the number two pick. We'll be talking about that extensively with Dan. Then we'll discuss the potential for an Eric Flowers trade. That report dropping this morning. Then we'll preview Pat Shermer's new offense with the New York Giants. And at the end of the show, we'll open up the phone lines for you guys at home to ask Dan whatever it is that's on your mind. On that note, what do you say? We welcome in Dan Schneier of the New York Giants on 24-7 Sports. There he is. Dan, how's it going today? What's up, Kevin? Happy to be here. We got one more day to go until we finally figure out what the Giants are going to do. I know. I'm excited. Can't wait for it. The draft starts on Thursday. Here we are on Giants Time talking all about it. All right, let's show the fans that poll. There it is. What should the Giants do with the number two pick? That's what we're asking. Right now, a lot of fans out there want to the Giants to draft Saquon Barkley, but there's some other options out there. They can draft a QB, trade back, or something else. There's some pretty good options out there. Dan, where do you think the fans will stand on this one? I think it's pretty clear. We've run a lot of polls. I've run some polls on Twitter as well, which is a little bit of a different fan base than our than our group here on 24-7 Sports, and it's pretty clear the fans want Saquon Barkley. I can understand that. The hype train for Barkley is really gone into incredible lengths but you know what uh as i've made pretty clear i don't unfortunately i don't share the same opinion as the fans yeah dan uh, right now the fans are running away with this poll right now 83 voters right. in the in the vote poll right now say draft saquon only nine votes for draft a qb seven votes for trading back and only one vote for something else so giants fans they are pretty sure what they want here Maybe you can help uh, open their minds a little bit. So, checking into the comments section right now, Forrest, said, Forrest says Barkley and then get Des Bryant. Any chance of that? I know last time we had you on, you said no chance. Have you softened on that stance at all? No, nah, I have not softened on that stance at all. Uh, Bryant is not someone you want to enter into this Giants locker room right now. Uh, obviously, as you know, they've had some issues in the past with Odell Beckham Jr. You're trying to rebuild a new locker room and a new regime under Pat Shermer. And a guy like Des Bryant, unfortunately, is not the type of guy to add there, regardless of what kind of deal you can get him for, because he will potentially sign cheap. He doesn't have much of a market right now. He's just not a good fit. Some other commenters have some other ideas. Angelo also wants them to get Barkley, but first wants them to get rid of Flowers. More on that in a bit. Jesse says, all these QBs are medium sauce. And then Ken wants them to trade with Denver. Leonardo wants them to trade with the Bills. We're going to talk about all these options straight ahead. Right now, the Giants are picking two in this year's draft. We'll see if they hang on to that pick right there. But... That remains to be seen. This is the highest they've picked since 1981 when they took Lawrence Taylor, the all-time great, with the number two overall pick in that year's draft. Turned out pretty well for them. How rare is this opportunity for the Giants picking second overall with so many QB prospects? 
Right. I mean, Kevin, think back when the last time the Giants were even near the second overall pick. That was all the way back in 2004 when they had the number four overall pick. And if anyone watched the recent NFL Network drop, they saw an awesome story where the Giants were ready to trade back to seven, grab Ben Roethlisberger. And at the last second, they said, you know what, we'll give one last trade offer, uh, one last holdout for the Chargers. We believe in Eli Manning. We want to get Eli Manning. They traded up and they got him. But the Giants franchise hasn't been anywhere near the second overall or fourth overall pick since. And they don't plan to be back here. This is not how the franchise has run. They've had a lot of success, not as much success recently uh, after the Jerry Reese era, probably one of the worst general managers, if not the worst general manager in Giants history when you look at just the final years of his tenure. And when you consider how much of that 2007 championship roster was actually Ernie Accorsi's doing. So again, I don't see him coming back here anytime soon. So to me, it's a rare opportunity. I think there's a lot of quarterbacks to at least consider, especially when you talk about Eli Manning. You just brought him up in that 2004 draft. Feels like it was another lifetime ago. He's now 37 years old, going into his 15th NFL season. Who would give the Giants a better chance to win over the next two to three years, which is presumably Eli's window of opportunity, than Saquon Barkley, the running back out of Penn State? Right. And I understand that question. And I think overall push came to shove. I would say he gives them the best chance. But you know what? If you present to me the opportunity where the Giants trade back and get Quinton Nelson, who will be a future all pro, potentially Hall of Fame guard and combine him with Sony Michelle or Darius Geis, the running back at LSU, who reminds me a lot of Marshawn Lynch in round two versus Barkley and a round two offensive lineman, or if you get me Bradley Chubb at defensive end after trading back to pick five with the Broncos, plus Geiser Michelle, like I said, or Nick Chubb, a guy I really like out of Georgia, who if it not for the injury might be a top five overall pick. To me, it's a value standpoint when it comes to Saquon Barkley. This is the deepest and most talented running back class in the last 10 years. Some scouts say in the last 15 years. When you have a position like that, that's super deep. In my opinion, the best strategy is to pick where the value stands. That's what the Saints did last season when they used the number 67 overall pick on Alvin Kamara. It's what the Chiefs did when they grabbed Kareem Hunt in round three. It's what the Steelers did when they grabbed Le'Veon Bell in round two a few a long time ago, a few years ago. And dating back with Sean McCoy when the Eagles got him in round two. There's countless examples over time. This is another deep class at running back, and I think the best move is to wait at the position. The Giants definitely have options, and the fans in the comment section are split on Saquon Barkley, even though they're pretty united in the poll. Christina says, would love to hop on the bandwagon and say go for Barkley, but can't help to think that we should really work on our team. Without a solid line, we can't protect and keep our QB healthy. That's not going to help for a rookie quarterback either. And then Eric says, Barkley is a great choice. We'll elevate every part of the offense. We'll make a shaky offensive line look much better, and there might be a good offensive lineman in the second round. I agree with Eric. Christina makes some good points as well. And as I mentioned earlier, the Giants are going to have options. Let's talk about some of those outside-the-box options. Can you make the case for either drafting Bradley Chubb or Quinton Nelson, who you previously mentioned, with the number two overall pick? Right, and I'll make the case for both of them, but before that, I'll preface it by saying if the Giants don't want to select a quarterback at two, you got to use that asset, right? And you got to trade back to number five. A team like the Broncos, who haven't been rumored to be interested in quarterback, but if I know John Elway, he didn't sign Case Keenum, a journeyman quarterback, to a two year deal with the intention of then re signing him. He still wants his franchise QB after dealing with Brock Osweiler and Trevor Simeon. So, 
I think that's the move. If you're not going to take a quarterback, you trade back to five. And then here's the case for Bradley Chubb. The case for Chubb is this. He's never going to be an edge bender like Von Miller. That's not what he has. He's a bad three-cone time, doesn't have that agility around the edge. But what he does have is the flexibility and the ability to line up in multiple positions, three, four outside linebacker, the five technique. He reminds me a lot of Justin Tuck. I think that's his ceiling to be one of the top run defending defensive ends in the NFL and a guy who can get pressure off the bull rush with some inside moves. Not going to be the the number one sack artist in the NFL at any point. But to me, if you give me a ceiling of Justin Tuck, I can live with that after trading back to number five of the Broncos and picking up either a 2019 first-round pick or their second-round pick in 2018 and a little bit more. And as for Quinton Nelson, you just made the case yourself, uh, Kevin. If you look back at the 2016 season, Todd Gurley averaged under four yards per carry. In 2017, the Rams went and got him Andrew Whitworth and a couple other offensive linemen on the interior, and all of a sudden, Todd Gurley was the MVP. A lot of people stand in my boat and believe that a running back is only as good as his offensive line. I think we've seen that play out with Ezekiel Elliott, with Dallas, and a lot of other uh, players over time, including Le'Veon Bell, who has a damn good offensive line there in Pittsburgh. So you want the case for Nelson? You're getting what, in my opinion, is the most surefire pick in the draft, even over Barkley. I will say that. I have some issues with Barkley's vision in between the tackles. I have some issues with his uh, tendency to bounce outside. So if you want to make the case for Nelson, it's that you're getting, in my opinion, the biggest lock to be an all-pro year after year. William in the comments section says, if Barkley is there, we have to take him. If the Browns take him one, then trade back but stay in the top ten. You alluded to one potential trade with the Denver Broncos that would yield the fifth pick in this year's draft. The Bills are another team that's tied to the Giants in terms of a potential trade. Who can the Giants steal if they trade back to either five or 12? Right, so we just talked about five. The good thing about trading back to five is if you trade back to five with the Broncos, you know they're going to quarterback at one. Browns are going to quarterback at or, or two, sorry. Browns are going to quarterback at one. The Jets didn't trade up from six to three to not take a quarterback. And then at four, the Browns, with their second pick, either decide, hey, we'll trade it back to whatever team is desperate for the last quarterback, or we take Barkley or Chubb. I think they'll take Chubb. So, you know, in that scenario, you trade back to five, you pick up extra picks, maybe a 2019 first rounder, and you still get Saquon Barkley. And at worst case, you get Bradley Chubb. Um, But if they go all the way back to 12, the two guys that I have in mind to target uh, would be Marcus Davenport, the edge rusher out of UTSA. Reminds me a lot of Jason Pierre-Paul when he came out very raw, but has that six foot seven frame with great length, 34 inch arms and the ability to set the edge in the run game was a really good run defender in addition to a pass rusher at UTSA. Otherwise, I like Roquan Smith, the linebacker out of Georgia. You pair him with Alec Ogletree, you may have the best coverage inside linebackers in the NFL right off the bat. And what were the Giants haunted by most in the past two seasons? It's tight ends and coverage. Last season, there was a streak of 12 games in a row where a tight end had a touchdown against the Giants. Those two would help eliminate that. So those are the guys I'm looking at at 12 if they do trade back. Marcus in the comments says, Barkley is a future Hall of Famer. I could see the same thing going on with Quentin Nelson. All the quarterbacks in this year's draft, not so much. Let's talk about an offensive lineman who's been on the Giants roster for three years now. It's Eric Flowers. NFL Network reported this morning that he is on the trade block. The Giants are trying to move him. He has started 46 of a possible 48 games over the past three years for the Giants since joining the team as the ninth overall pick a few years back. What can the Giants get for Eric Flowers in a potential trade considering the fact that he played really poorly at times? Right, and according to NFL Network, not only is he on the block, but the Giants have already talked with some teams about a trade. Uh, The Giants are confident they're going to get some draft compensation for Flowers. 
I wouldn't expect the Giants to get much, but you know what? I've been surprised before. I said at the beginning of the offseason, I'd be happy if the Giants could move Jason Pierre's Paul, Pierre Paul's contract for a six-round pick. Instead, the Giants got the number 69 overall pick in this draft class, an early third-rounder. So Dave Gettleman has proven he can wheel and deal with the best of them, something Jerry Reese almost never did during his tenure as general manager, something fans really have to appreciate. So I wouldn't be shocked if Giants can land maybe a fifth-round pick for Eric Flowers, a guy who, like you said, has started a lot of games, had some decent game tape as a run blocker in 2016 and 2015, then fell off entirely last season in the run game. He's always been a bad pass blocker. Uh, someone might believe that their coaches can get the most out of him. He obviously has a ton of natural talent and a great body and frame for the position. So I believe they could get a, a fifth-round pick from a team from one team. Fifth round pick is pretty pricey considering what the commenters are saying right now. Joseph says he'd trade him for a bag of air. <laughs> Tyler expects the Giants to get a washing machine. And Alfonso <laughs> says a bag of potato chips. You know what? I'll take any of that to move that to move Flowers' contract. Listen, this is a guy who skipped voluntary OTAs, didn't show up the first two weeks, is not there today for the start of minicamp. This is not a guy you want on the roster. Yeah, well, talking about the potential to move uh, Eric Flowers here. I understand why Giants fans are ready to move on from him, but are they really in a position to say, here, take my offensive lineman? Offensive line has been one of the Giants' biggest weaknesses over the past few seasons. So how can the Giants even afford to trade away one of their starting offensive linemen? Yeah, you bring up a good point, Kevin. They don't have that much depth on the offensive line, specifically at the offensive tackle position. Outside of Nate Solder, their starting left tackle, all they have besides Flowers is two rookies from the 2017 season in Chad Wheeler and Adam Mizwadi, one who was undrafted free agent due to off-field concerns, and Wheeler, who got the start today in the first practice of minicamp at right tackle, and then Adam Mizwadi, the sixth-round pick from last year they traded up for. Uh, they don't have depth of position, but at the same time, if you really put on the tape, and I know recently a clip went around. I don't know if you saw this, Kevin. If not, you should definitely take a look, and I'll, and I'll DM it to you after this, but... There was a clip that circulated the other day of Eric Flowers missing not one, not two, but three blocks on a run play against the Kansas City Chiefs in the 2017 season. It was arguably the worst effort I'd have, I've ever seen on tape. This is a guy who had questionable effort on game tape. It was called out by Brian Baldinger and Sean O'Hara last season. Guys like that are almost a cancer to the roster, in my opinion, and somebody who I would pr much prefer a Gettleman gem as an undrafted free agent to, uh, to Eric Flowers, and he'll come a lot cheaper, too. I did see that clip, and I believe it was former Giants offensive lineman Jeff Schwartz calling him out on Twitter, saying that the only way you get away with three whiffs on one play is being drunk. Yeah, he did say that. <laughs> well, the plan was originally to move him to right tackle with the acquisition of Nate Solder, but Jay in the comments says, Flowers is not a right tackle. I'm convinced he's not even a football player. So, Eric Flowers, enough bashing on him. I guess he's going to some other team uh, to get their quarterback sacked. All right, so let's preview the upcoming season here for the New York Giants and talk specifically about the offense that Pat Shermer is going to bring in here. So the Vikings ranked 11th on offense last year. That's a lot better than the Giants, who ranked 21st on offense and 31st when you go by scoring offense. So... What's the biggest difference between Pat Shermer's offensive scheme and the one that McAdoo was running last year? Right. So there's going to be three key differences in the offense that Pat Shermer will run and the offense that Pat McAdoo ran. I mean, that Ben McAdoo ran. For starters, the Giants are going to lean more on the play action pass. Now, 
People may think, listening to somebody like Chris Collinsworth, that that means the Giants will use the play-action pass to set up the run game. But that's not necessarily—I'm sorry, use the run game to set up the pass game. But that's not necessarily true. Uh, in the past three seasons as, off- as an offensive coordinator, once with the Eagles, uh, once with the Vikings, and actually twice with the Eagles, once with the Vikings, Pat Shermer's been in the top three of play-action pass attempts uh, for offensive coordinators. And what he does is he actually uses the play-action passing game to open up the run game. His whole offense runs through the play-action pass, and the Giants fans are going to see a lot more snaps under center for the quarterback, Eli Manning. And what they're going to see in addition to more play-action passing is also more deep shots. What Shermer does is he uses vertical concepts like the smash route concept to open up deep passing game with Evan Ingram, who will finally be featured as more of a vertical threat, and Odell Beckham Jr. And one thing that you never saw really with Ben McAdoo's offense, very rarely, was stacked in bunch formations for the wide receivers. This year, the wide receivers won't be staggered out with two boundary guys and a slot guy about four yards away from him. You're going to see these receivers stacked in in an attempt to create uh, natural separations on natural pick plays, something Ben McAdoo for some reason never did. And the biggest difference for me that I'm looking forward to in this offense is just the usage of different personnel groups. Obviously, under Ben McAdoo, the Giants used a heavy dosage of 11 personnel with three wide receivers, one tight end, and one running back. During the 2016 season, they used it on 91% of the plays. But Pat Shermer's most used uh, offensive personnel group is actually 12 personnel with two tight ends. You'll see Evan Ingram, uh, in addition to Rhett Ellison, who only played about 45% of the snaps last season. He's going to play closer to 65-70 because he was pro football focus's third best blocking tight end. Getting him on the field will make a massive difference for this offense. Giants will also use more 21 personnel with two running backs, a fullback and a running back. They're going to mix it up. That's the biggest difference. Shermer wants to keep you off guard. Ben McAdoo basically lined up and said, hey, this is our offense. Try and beat us. Todd in the comments section says creativity is the biggest difference, and you've criticized McAdoo's offense in the pack for, past for a lack of creativity, and Pat Shermer's a pretty creative guy. I mean, when you consider he lost his starting quarterback last year, he lost his star rookie running back, and he was still able to field a pretty decent offense that made it all the way to the NFC Championship game. So he doesn't sound like a guy that needs much, but what does Shermer need in this year's draft to turn the Giants into a playoff-caliber offense? Right. I'm actually a big believer that Shermer has everything he needs right now at the wide receiver and tight end position. Like I said, Going to lean more on 12 personnel anyway with two tight ends. And I really like this Gerald Adams kid, who had, Gerald Adams kid who had a great day today at minicamp and has been a guy that McAdoo underused in addition to Ellison. So really the focus for this draft with those picks 34, 66, and 69, and 108 will be to get running backs and interior offensive linemen. I think this draft will be very focused on the offense. I really do believe that. And there's going to be great prospects that drop on the interior offensive line to pick number 34. Isaiah Wynn might drop. Will Hernandez might drop. Even if not, they might get Frank Ragno, the best center, in my opinion, in this draft. Billy Price, in my opinion, the second-best center. James Daniels, a kid from Iowa who fits perfectly Pat Shermer's zone-blocking offensive scheme. He can play guard and center. And at the running back position, if they pass on Barkley, this is the deep, like I said, the deepest and most talented class I've seen in 15 years. You might see a guy like Carrion Johnson, who has a lot of Le'Veon Bell-like skills, Drop to them at 66. If they want to go at 34, they could get Ronald Jones, who's been compared to Jamal Charles. They could get a guy like Darius Geis, who I really, truly see a lot of Marshawn Lynch and early Lynch when he had the breakaway speed as well. So that's how this offense becomes a player for player uh, playoff caliber offense. You improve the running back position with one pick, maybe at 108, maybe at 66, maybe at 69, maybe at 63, or uh, sorry, at 34. And then you build on that interior offensive line. 
Tyler in the comments says, I hate McAdoo worse than I hate Matt Dodge. Want to know where you stand on that before I open up the phone lines. <laughs> That's a great comment. Who do I hate more? That Matt Dodge game brings up one of the worst memories of my college life. I was in college. Best friend's a Cowboys fan. He's ready to walk off to the stacks, we used to call it, where he was going to study for a final. He decided to, to stay for one more play. The Eagles were down 31-10. He's like, the Giants are going to make the playoffs. It starts to come back. Eventually, the Matt Dodge play happens. And Deshaun Jackson houses it. And I'm face down on the couch for the next five minutes in despair. Yeah, it sounds like uh, you haven't gotten over that yet. But you Never sound very will. optimistic about the offense, so maybe you've gotten over McAdoo already. So, Tyler... Nice comment, but I don't know if Dan agrees with you. All right, that comment or that phone line is officially open. That number is 615-422-5240. Please give us a call, and we'll patch you through to Dan so you can ask him your very own question. In the meantime, we're going to jump into the comment section and get some questions from Dan so he can get the conversation rolling while we're waiting for that phone line to buzz. Okay, a question I saw here earlier. AJ says, Giants scoring offense will be in the top 15. Won't be ranking 31st in 2018. Do you see them making a big jump? Oh, I definitely see them making a big jump. Just look at what the Vikings did. They jumped all the way to number 11 overall, like you said. They were number 7 in rushing offense. This is a team that did it with journeyman Case Keenan, who I think might be exposed this season, with an offensive line that improved but only to the extent where the Giants are going to be able to do in this draft and then via free agency with Solder and Omame uh, at left tackle and left guard. The Vikings didn't have that many resources on the offensive line. And then it's set up very similar with Kyle Rudolph uh, at tight end, similar to Evan, what Evan Ingram can do, Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard. Some would argue they're better than Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. And I'll argue any day that Eli Manning's better than Case Keenum. So if Pat Shermer could scheme out the number of the 11th best, best offense with that talent, I think he can do the same with the Giants. Again, please call in. That number is 615-422-5240. Dan here wants the Giants to take Josh Rosen with the number two overall pick, which goes way against what a lot of you guys are saying in the polls. So please call in, ask Dan why he thinks this, and maybe we can enlighten some fans. All right, Dan. Um, so you mentioned earlier that minicamp practices were starting today. You mentioned some takeaways. Any other big notes from, from today's practices? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked this, Kevin, because I did want to touch on this. So let's go over some of the key takeaways from today. Davis Webb struggled a little bit. Pat Shermer said at the beginning of practice he doesn't want to put too much pressure on Webb. He's seen the reports that say this is almost a tryout for him. But Webb went 17 of 26, and this is according to Paul Dottino, who tweeted this out and then, re then later deleted it. But luckily I got it, I got it first. Uh, had an interception, a tip ball pass, and went 0 for 3 on his deep passes. Uh, some of the issues with Webb, I think— that I saw on his game tape at Cal, I think they're really just going to continue to show. My opinion, I don't think somebody can improve that much without facing live competition and NFL pass rush. I'm not a huge believer in that. But other key takeaways are the starting lineups. Like I said, on offensive line, the key, the key takeaway is John Jerry has been moved to the bench. At right guard, John Halapio, the guy who started Week 17 for the Giants against the Redskins, a guy who caught praise from Dave Gettleman earlier this offseason when he said that I watched that game week 17 tape and I liked what I saw from our offensive line, especially Halapio and Greco, both players who he re-signed this offseason. Halapio's the starting right guard right now, and then Chad Wheeler starting at right tackle right now in place of Eric Flowers, who's absent from minicamp and on the trade block. And then a couple other key takeaways on defense. Olivier Vernon has officially moved to outside linebacker. Him and Kareem Martin are the two outside guys. BJ Goodson and Alec Ogletree are the two inside guys. Uh, Snacks Harrison wasn't at camp today, so they had a little bit of a mix and match on the defensive line. And then Eli Apple, 
I really liked his vibe today from everything I read, from everything I saw. I think Eli Apple's ready to put 2017 behind him. He was the starting cornerback alongside Janoris Jenkins today. Those are the key takeaways from the first practice. Yeah, thank you for that report. Very good stuff. We had a couple phone calls come through that we missed while Dan uh, was answering the, the, my question. I'm sorry. It's all about timing. And speaking of timing, here's a caller right here. Oh, two callers. All right, welcome to Giants Time. You're on the air live with Dan Schneier. What's your question for Dan, and what's your name? My name is Brian. I'm just wondering how you could see anybody but Barkley in this draft. All right, Dan. Back it up. Okay, so we'll start with why I see another player as a, as a potential pick for number two. And for me, Josh Rosen sees the field better than any quarterback in this class. What Rosen stands out is his ability to throw with anticipation. You see a lot of quarterbacks struggle at the NFL level because they're see-it-throw-it quarterbacks. They wait for a receiver to get open, then they throw him the ball. What Rosen's able to do is anticipate where a receiver will move, throw him the pass, and that creates a lot of yards after the catch. Really, I've gone through the process, and the only really negatives I've seen on Rosen, a guy who Greg Cassell, who's done 30 years of, of game tape experience, says is the number one QB in this class and a better prospect than Jared Goff, the only negatives I see is the injury concerns um, and obviously the personality concerns that I think I've addressed well and shown that they're pretty much BS throughout this process. So for me, Rosen's actually the number one overall prospect in this class. And then we had just addressed the position value standpoint of this and Taking a running back at number two would immediately make him the sixth highest paid running back in the NFL. And like I said, it's the deepest and most talented class uh, in the last 10 to 15 years. Think about your fantasy football drafts. It's the analogy I like to use. Do your fantasy football drafts go quarterback, 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 picks one through 10? Or do some people like to wait on quarterback because of position scarcity and position value? That's kind of how I see the same thing with Barkley here. Um, and the running back shelf life doesn't help either. Look at the situation that the Steelers are in right now with Le'Veon Bell not being able to afford to pay him the $15 million a year that he wants. So that's really my take there. All right, that's a fair take. We got another caller here on Giants Time. What's your name and what's your question for Dan? Yes, my name is Alex. Yes, I had a question. Um, if Cleveland takes Baker Mayfield at number one, uh, do we go with Josh Rosen as number two? Or do we go for Barkley at number two, or do we trade back? And then a second question, do you think that we'll add Des Bryant? <laughs> what do you think, Dan? And Sam Darnold, is he not in the mix there if the Browns go with Baker Mayfield? Yeah, I mean, this is a great question because if you buy the reports and the scuttlebutt that you've heard so far, you'd believe that Sam Darnold will be a lock pick for the Giants if he drops it too. But it's not like anyone has really said anything. It's just reports. And what we know from this new regime is that Dave Gettleman's kept everything under wraps. The Jason Pierre-Paul trade talks started at the Combine. A month went by and not a single leak reached the media before the trade was completed. Similar to the Alec Ogletree trade, there were no leaks. So because of that, I find it very hard to believe that anyone knows who the Giants prefer at quarterback. Um, personally, I'm not going to make that decision. I think that if they do go Baker Mayfield, though. I think the Giants will draft a quarterback. Personally, I'm still on the belief that the Giants are going to draft a quarterback at two, no matter what. And then the second question, uh, what was the second? Oh, the Des Bryant question. Yeah, I kind of broke it down on the last podcast, but I, in our last uh, show. But I don't believe that Bryant's a good culture fit for this locker room. And the big thing with Bryant is he doesn't command double teams anymore. So it's a sim if they sign him, it's similar to when they signed Brandon Marshall last offseason. And we all know that didn't really work out. That's right. It did not at all. The Giants recently parting ways with Brandon Marshall and that not changing anything about Dan's opinion when it comes to bringing in Des Bryant. All right, let's close down the phone lines now and take one last look at the poll here. Dan, 
Wow, it's not even close. 151 voters want the Giants to pick Saquon Barkley second That's overall. Correct. Second is draft a QB with only 11 votes, 10 votes for trade back, and only three for something else. So no love for Quentin Nelson or Bradley Chubb, but a lot of love for Saquon Barkley. We know where you stand. You want Rosen. Now's your chance to make your final case. Sure, I'll make my final case here. The Giants haven't picked anywhere. Oh, crap. It looks like my banner has come down. <laughs> uh, the Giants haven't picked anywhere near the second pick uh, in, like I said, since the 2004 draft. And Rosen is the first quarterback I've seen to come out since Andrew Luck, who's a pure passer, can anticipate uh, throws on the field, can process the defense at a ridiculously high speed, and can do what every quarterback in the NFL does who succeeds, and that's read the defenses, get rid of the football fast before the blitz gets there to the hot reads, and make accurate throws on time with rhythm. And that's why I like Rosen the best in this class. That's why I think he should be the next quarterback for the Giants for the next 15 years. Name another guy out there who can break down the number two pick while holding his holding banner, banner up over yeah. his head. Dan Schneier, <laughs> he's a man of many trades, and he's got a lot of work to do. Today was the first day of the mini camp practices, so he's got to get back to covering that stuff and all the latest to come out of that. Dan, we know you're a busy guy. Thanks for stopping in on Giants time, and uh, everyone, make sure you give him a follow. Thanks, Kevin. It was great having, uh, ha having me on again. <laughs> all right, Dan's gone. All right, man. Great stuff from Dan, as usual. Make sure you're giving him a follow on Twitter, at Dan Schneier NFL, and clicking all of the great stuff that he has to offer on the New York Giants on 24-7 Sports Facebook page. All of the great photos, memes, videos, articles, everything. You're going to want this stuff come draft day, and if you're not, you're going to be in the dark. So make sure you're signing up for his newsletter as well whenever you get clicked into one of his articles. All right, for Dan Schneier, A.A. Ron, Mike the producer, and the rest of the team here at 24-7 Sports. Make sure you're keeping it locked right here where we're talking your team all the time.